It's time for a legendary introduction. Welcome to Unpacking the Box. I really think nobody does it better. Join the conversation as we cover everything from life and relationships. All a woman wants is a choice. Inspiring interviews. That just hit me. Wow. And everything in between. Just keeping it real. We keeping it all the way real. Whoa. Now let's start unpacking. This is Linnea, your host. with comedian, actor, filmmaker. He's been on Deaf Comedy Jam, Movies, Life, American History X, and so many more. Welcome, Guy Tory. Hello. What's happening? Good afternoon. Good evening. Whatever time of day, you know, this is in the world that we're in right now. Yes. I'm so excited to talk to you. I, I have a, a a dream guest list that I made for myself, like a vision board for my podcast, and you were on my uh-huh. list. Can wow, that's what's <laughs> yeah. I can hear you. Yeah, that's crazy that I made the list. Yes. Yay me. Yay yes. me. <laughs> I am him. Yes, you are. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna reach out. And so I thank you so much for just, you know, helping me, All you good. know. How good. Live my dreams. Yes. So let's jump right into it. I want to get into your okay. journey. Uh, because I found out some surprising fun facts that I didn't know about you, and I'm a huge fan, but uh-huh. Yes. So I want to talk about your journey into becoming a comedian. So I learned that you worked on the Martin show as a production assistant, and then you did some writing. Yeah. It's one of the early jobs I had in, in my career in LA was uh, the Martin show being a production assistant. For those who don't know what that is, it's really like a gopher, you know, you run errands, you do whatever nobody else wants to do. And uh, you know, of course my big brother, Joe Tory had a relationship with Martin I moved to LA from St. Louis and he was like, Hey, my little brother needs a job. So I went and, and, and um, had an interview, a job interview with a production coordinator and they, I got the job. And I always say that was probably the most important job I've had early in my career because it, it taught me how it taught me the business. It taught me, you know, the behind the scenes and what different um, job titles they are. At the same time, I was still doing stand up the whole time. So that was my day job part-time night job, but then stand-up was, you know, was what I was really wanting to do. Mm -hmm. Yes, that was, that was a fun fact I learned. I never knew that. And then you wrote with, and it was the episode, the, the romantic weekend, Tilligan's Island. That's the one you wrote, right? Yeah. So, you know, I did, I did, I did everything for that show. Basically what I mean by that is I was a PA. I did audience warm-up sometimes to fill in for the warm-up guy, which is J. Anthony Brown and Myra J. Two funny you know, OG comedians. If they couldn't do it, I was I would fill in and do and do the audience warm up while they're taping the show. I actually uh, was Martin stand in a couple of scenes where he had to be Martin and like Jerome or Martin and Otis. I had to put on the other costume, and you saw the back of me or a side of me. So <laughs> mm-hmm. I did stand in. I guest starred on the show when I started acting uh, in the episode with Gary Coleman called High Noon, mm-hmm. and then I actually wrote an episode. Uh, Martin called uh, Romantic Weekend, Chilligan's Island is when the episode when uh, they got attacked by that big monster rat. Yes, the big so. rat. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that was, uh, 
Yeah, that was my first first script I ever wrote, actually. And co-wrote oh, wow. with a guy named Matt Diamond. Wow. That was one of the funniest episodes ever. That that That's was right so here. That's what yes. I hear. A lot of people say that. I'm, I'm, I'm humbled by that. Yes, I'm talking about crying tears still to this day. It's crazy. I love it. I love that. <laughs> that ain't no damn puppy. <laughs> <laughs> I might have to watch that today. It's so funny. Oh, my goodness. Hey, hey, the, the best scene in there is Tashina Arnold when she in those shorts. Yes. She's beating that little thing up. You know what? I got a chance to talk to her. She is super dope, too. Yes, I love Yo, it. She's, that was... she's crazy dope. She's a phenomenal artist, but also an even more phenomenal person. Yes, I, I agree. So what was your what was your very first job? In L.A. or period? Just in general. My very first job, period, was uh, being black. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's right. <laughs> hey, that's being black is a job, man. It's a career for us. <laughs> it um, is. <laughs> one that we didn't choose, but we 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 work it well. Put it that way. Mm -hmm. um, but my first official job, I would say, was I I I was a jet. This is so funny because it's kind of a kind of kismet. So I worked as a handyman at the church I attended. After my senior year of high school, between my you know freshman year of college and senior high school for two summers, I was a handyman at the church. I'm Catholic, so I grew up in you know a Catholic family, big Catholic church in St. Louis. So I did a lot of painting, grass cutting, repairs, you know, things like that. And then I, I ended up years later when I started acting, becoming like the handyman at on a show called Good News. Mm -hmm. on UPN, which was a handyman at a church. So it was kind of crazy how that came full circle. But my first official job, I would say, was that. Okay, okay. So yeah. at what moment in your career as a comedian did you, like, tap into that part of growth, you know, that part where you may be, like, out of your comfort zone? Um, what part of... At what moment did you tap into that part, which led into your evolution as a comedian? You mean the entertainment part? Yeah. Well, I guess, you know, I've always been, I, you, you, you're born with it. It's a gift. And you don't sometimes know it is a gift mm -hmm. until God beats you over the head with it and keep bringing those opportunities in front of you. And it, 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 may, it may be your gift for a season, a few seasons, and then you move on and get another gift because of that gift. But it, it it was when um I went to performing arts high school actually I went to visit performing arts high school but I was actually in a band I wasn't in theater um I was in a band but it was a basketball team mm -hmm. played football I wrestled I did it all ran track I did it all so it's kind of like you know those things prepare you for uh, entertainment because mm -hmm. you you you're 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 focused you're using your talent your physical talent to perform. And being on a football field, being on a track, you know, wrestling, being on a track team, you're performing. So I was a natural performer, just didn't know that it was going to take me in that direction. Always had it uh, in, in the back of my mind, you know, to be an entertainer. But uh, once once I saw stand-up comedy as a, as a vehicle, as a lane to do the other stuff I wanted to do, then mm -hmm. I, I took that lane. Now, stand-up, I've always been funny. I've always been the class clown, the campus clown, the school bus clown. That's where it starts. It starts with your friends playing the dozens, mama jokes, daddy jokes, you know, they call it bullying these days. But back then it was just fun. 
to uh to mm -hmm. to uh to to Joan to to shoot the shit so to speak. And uh you know that's where the stand up part started. So when I actually saw my brother doing stand up Joe Tory and saw that it's a, actually a job or you can get paid doing this cuz I knew who Richard Pryor was, but I never put two and two together with stand up comedy and what he did and it didn't make sense to me until really college. Mhm. Mm okay. So do you uh you know Having been, you know, experienced all these years, do you get nervous before stand up? You know, I used to thought I, I used to I thought I used to get nervous, but now it's more anxiety. Mm. And I don't know that I think there's a fine line between the two. I'm no therapist, but I thought it was always nervous energy, which is good because when you're nervous, um, that means you care. Mm -hmm. when, you're, when you're when you're too confident and cocky, you can be careless. So anxiety, nervousness, whatever you want to call it. Tomato, tomato. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, it's, 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 yeah, of course, of course. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm in Dayton, Ohio tonight, and it's the last minute show. I was just here just a few months ago. So I'm, I'm really nervous because you never know who's coming back to the show. You don't really want to do the same act. Mm -hmm. I have a bunch of material I want to try out. So there's that nervousness of, I don't want to do the old stuff and the new stuff I haven't tried yet. And that's where the nervousness comes in both. Do you mix it up and do a little bit of both? Because sometimes you do old material and uh, people still love it. Sometimes you don't do it and people are like, oh, you didn't do that joke about so-and-so. So yeah, mm -hmm. I still get nervous to answer your question. Yes. Okay. So I want to go into a little bit about your acting because I, I always find it interesting like when a comedian can transition into like acting and portray these dramatic roles. And I want to say, I believe your the um your role you portrayed in American History X, that was considered a dramatic role, right? And- Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so we're, you know, we're always used to seeing you making us laugh because you are funny as fuck. Um, so, <laughs> you know, you just been hilarious. So what was that process like for you to turn on that seriousness, you know, needed for such a dramatic role? So I was broke. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't make a lot of money. I wouldn't make a lot of money back then. I mean, I just shot a TV pilot, the one good news, but I wasn't, you know, I wasn't, you know, I didn't have a lot of money back then. So, you know, when you when you when your pockets are calling you, and you better you better step up to the plate. But to be honest, on that tip, as far as like comedians doing drama, we're built for that mm -hmm. because comedy comedians we're dark on the inside. That's why we do stand up. We do stand up because we want attention. We want people to laugh at our, our jokes. We have some dark issues, so we do stand up to bring light to those dark situations. Comedy is truth and pain. A lot of our humor come out of darkness. So when it comes to acting, a comedian has to take his comedic ego and put it out of the way to play into that dramatic character, to tap into that dark side, because we all got it. And, and if you can take your comedic ego, which is hard for comedians, because we always want to be funny, it's our rhythm, it's our, we're, we're wired to be funny, 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 funny. People always tell me a joke. Are you a comedian? Tell me a joke. So we're wired to be on all the time, even though we don't want to. Um, even when, at our darkest moments, sometimes we're called to be on. Uh, so if comedians can, can, can take their egos out of it and play those dramatic characters honestly, we make some very great dramatic actors. Mm -hmm. So it's not, it's not, it's not hard for me. It's just acting is all in the eyes. Acting is all in the energy. 
Acting is you believing you're that character. And I see some comedians try to play dramatic roles and I can't get the funny out of, out of my head because they're not committing to that character. I can still see the comedian in you rather than seeing behind the eyes and your soul. You almost have to, you know, whatever that character is, embody that character's soul and, and, and eat it and digest their soul so that when you're acting, it's coming out of your eyes. It's coming out of your mannerisms. It's coming out of your color and your voice. It's coming out in the tone of your voice uh, and how you play that scene and how you play off the other character. So it's, I'm not surprised when I see a comedian kick ass at a dramatic role. Not at all. Cause we're dark. We're dark mm -hmm. motherfuckers anyway. Yeah, I've heard that. That is so interesting because we, you know, as the, you know, consumers, we are just looking right. at how funny you are. We're laughing at your jokes and stuff like that. And I don't think a lot of people think about that, you know, behind the scenes, behind closed do doors. Are we fucked up? I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to tell you. We, we, you know, that's why sometimes yeah. it's alcohol abuse, drug abuse. Sometimes they're, you know, just substance abuse, period. You know, yeah. trying to find that happy. But also uh, we're moving. Moody, very moody. And I can't speak for every comedian, so I don't want to throw a blanket like that. But, but the majority yeah. I know, and including myself, you know, we're, we're very moody, never have, never satisfied. Um, some some comics have fought a false sense of of security, you know, the ones <laughs> who are narcissists who never have a bad set, who never bomb, every show they kill, me, me, me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, go on with the, miss me with that bullshit. Um, yeah. We're comics. We're serious, dark people. Part of my nervousness is I don't want to fail, but a lot of times I set myself up to fail so I can win. So that's how crazy we are in in our head, you know. Where you know, I, I heard um, a statement saying that um, we're so we're so afraid of getting laughed at that we do stand up to control the laughter. Mm. Okay. We're control freaks. Most of us are control freaks. You want to, I mean, you got to have control. When you're on that stage and you're in front of 100 people, 300 people, 400 people, 10,000 people, 40,000 people. When you're on that stage and you're performing in front of all those people, you got to control that crowd. You got to control the audience with your humor, with your, mm -hmm. with your words, with your, with your act, with your craft, your art, because that many people, you know, are against you if it turns ugly. So you have to be in control of you and control of your set at all times. And that's a skill that takes years uh, of practice. Yeah, I can only imagine. That's a lot. Thank you for your transparency. You know, because people people do not think about other people. They just want you to be on all the time, I'm sure. They want right. you to just be on. Right. They don't think about, like, you guys are people. These are real yeah. people, you know, so... I appreciate you sharing that. So let's talk about Fat Tuesdays because I see you have a documentary that's on Amazon. Yeah. So for people who are unfamiliar and they may want to check it out, like what's what's its origin and how did the documentary come about? What can we look forward to when we watch it? First of all, people shouldn't may want to check it out. They should check it out. Check it out. Period. <laughs> you ain't got nothing else going on better in your life than to sit back and see Guy Tory live or see my documentary on Amazon Prime, Fat Tuesdays, the air hip hop comedy. Now that wasn't the most narcissistic moment. <laughs> I don't know what was, but <laughs> but uh, but no, Fat Tuesdays is uh, was an assignment from God. Mm -hmm. I didn't know at the time it was an assignment from God. I'm glad I was obedient enough 
to carry out the assignment, not even knowing I was in the assignment, but looking back on it and what it did for not only my career, but so many other people's careers and lives. Um, it was an assignment. There's no way I did that by myself. There's no way those doors opened by myself. There's no way I could have taken over Hollywood um, with a comedy night uh, at only three years experience of doing stand-up comedy. Fat Tuesdays was a comedy night that I created in 1995 uh, because of the lack of industry presence in the black community in South Central and in Inglewood to come see black comedians. After the riots, the Rodney King verdict, you know, white people and even celebrity, black celebrities and mm -hmm. industry got scared to come to South Central to see black comics and I didn't like that. I already had a representation, so I was already good, but I saw a lot of my brothers and sisters who were funny as hell and, and no representation from Hollywood to see uh, them and discover them. So I took the hood to Hollywood and I went to the, one of the most legendary comedy uh, clubs in the world, the comedy store on the Sunset Strip. And I asked to do a comedy night to, to showcase black comedians mm -hmm. so they can get representation. They, they gave me the worst night of the week, which was Tuesday night. No one goes out on Tuesday night. This is long before Taco Tuesdays. Nobody gave a fuck about Tuesdays before Fat Tuesdays. So um, I created this night that was magical. And let me, let me rephrase that. God allowed me to create this night that was magical. And mm -hmm. it, 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 made, it was a platform for not just comedians, but for producers and writers and directors and musicians, we all met up there. This is where we connected and hooked up for jobs or just, you know, you know, guys hooked up with girls and girls hooked up with guys, but also girls hooked up with girls too. So this is LA. <laughs> so um yeah, it was a night that was that was special. That was very special. There was no white club in the country doing an all-urban night before, to my recollection, and I did some research and other people did research. There was no mainstream club doing an urban night before Fat Tuesdays at the comedy store in 1995. And, and after that, it started spreading like wildfire. White clubs in other cities and even in other parts of Los Angeles and Hollywood were starting get, to get urban nights. Of course, I was inspired by the legendary Def Comedy Jam. That was my inspiration. Mm -hmm. And this was a live version of that. So you got to see on TV on HBO, that energy, that style of comedy, these black comedians, you know, telling our stories, you know, but making them funny. Well, Fat Tuesdays was a live version of that. Because even if white, a black comedian was in a white club and it was other, you know, wasn't that many blacks in the lineup, predominantly white audience, they kind of like had to tailor their set. Mm -hmm. Fat Tuesdays lets you hang out, pull your titties out, get naked, <laughs> be yourself, be transparent, just be, just be your damn self at Fat Tuesdays. I'm not telling you what you can say, how you can say it, don't cuss, none of that. I didn't care any of that. Tell your story, make it funny, get the fuck off stage. Okay, well, that sounds epic. You know, that's that sounds really epic. Yeah. I'm definitely going to so, check out the documentary. I can't wait. Yeah, so the documentary came out last year. It's been doing well. We have 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. We made um, New York Times Best Documentary of 2022. We were up for an Emmy nomination. We got the consideration. We didn't get the nomination, but we was in the running for um, the, 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 the nomination. But you know what? The best gift 
that came out with the biggest award. We we actually got an Uptown Honors Award, Uptown Honors Honored Fat Tuesdays, oh, awesome. and, and and what it did. So that was great. We were part of the Essence Fest of 2022. Um, they had never done really comedy shows like that before. So Fat Tuesdays um, curated uh, the comedy shows at Essence Fest, which is a dream come true because Essence Fest is is legendary. Uh, mm -hmm. I had never done it before, so to do it like that was a major, major, major uh, feather in my cap and go down on my list of legends. I have a list of the legendary stuff that I've been a part of or the legends that I've met. It's a long list of just legendary moments. I'm I'm not saying I'm a legend, but I've been a part of some legendary shit. And I'm very, very thankful and humble to God for that. I just yes. said shit and God in the same sentence. It's kind of crazy. It's but okay. He's going to forgive me. It's okay. I'm talking about her anyway. They know my heart. They know my mouth. <laughs> but listen, you have, you are, but you know what? You are, I know you said that you don't consider yourself a legend because that's actually was going to be my question. Do you see yourself as a legend? Because I think you are. I mean, you have made some historical and epic waves. I mean, you are a household name in, in, in Black culture, you know? So do you, do you, you don't see yourself as a legend? No, I see myself as a servant. I see myself as a servant and to my, my, my job, my assignment is to create these projects and uh, one, earn a living, two, give back, mm -hmm. and three, help others um, try to reach their dreams and their journeys and to tell stories. I mean, I believe I became a comedian to act and to act to do comedy, but also to create this, this documentary, Fat Tuesdays, which told stories of these some legendary comedians and and our history as black people in comedy and and uh it, it allowed this night allowed so many stars to be born this night allowed so many other comedy nights like like fat tuesdays to be born and usher in other stars mm -hmm. um black stars and stand up who are box office stars today commercial stars tv stars uh touring stars um all these rooms are necessary. All these black nights are necessary um, mm -hmm. so we can go be ourselves and build our act. And uh, Fat Tuesdays, I, I will honestly say, led the way, uh, but heavily, heavily inspired by Def Comedy Jam Comic View. I love that. I love that servant instead of legend. And, and you know Absolutely. what? I love it. Because, and also to your soul, you're so humble, just, you know, being in the spotlight, doing, you know, accomplishing all that you have accomplished and still, you know, giving back and helping people. Cause you know, I feel like, and this may ruffle some feathers, but I feel like it within the black community, there is, there is this, uh, crab in a barrel mentality. I talk about this all that's the time. That's not ruffling. That's not ruffling feathers. That's telling the fucking truth. I love ruffling feathers. Bring it. <laughs> because ruffling feathers spurs conversation and dialogue. Yeah. And 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 it, it spurs communication. And so we have to rough some feathers. I I I make a living off of rough and feathers. I give two fucks <laughs> um about cancel culture. You're right. Um, you I'm are just right. Gonna be honest. You're I'm right. Just gonna be honest. Uh in my opinion. Yeah. So um it's okay to ruffle feathers. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, you know what? It, it that 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 is what I feel. So crabbing the brow. Absolutely. Um, um you know. America has done a great job at vilifying us and made us look bad across the world, but America did a great job at separating us too um, and having a crab in the brown mentality of only letting so many through, you know? 
instead mm -hmm. of Fat Tuesdays was the opposite of that. Fat Tuesdays, I had an agent, I had a manager. I could have been good. But I'm like, yo, it's a lot of it's a lot of money into making Hollywood enough to go around. We can all eat. And that was my 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 assignment is to lead a lot of black comedians um to sunset, mm -hmm. to 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 showcase their gift, what God gave them, you know, to showcase themselves. So so many are, are so afraid to help others. And if we did that more, um we would be very more advanced as a people, as black mm -hmm. people. But as long as you have it, the crab and brow mentality, we ain't gonna never make it as a people. This is true. Never. All facts. This is true. I love that. So I, I see that you are booked and busy with your stand-up comedy. When you do get a little bit of free time, what do you like doing? Smoking cigars. Okay. Watching documentaries. Watching good TV series. And I used to go out and hang out and all that stuff. I'm to the point now. I just want, you know, I, I'm around people for my job, so I don't need to be in big crowds and all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I smoke cigars. I mean, it's not the healthiest, but yeah. that's what I, that's how I relax. That's how I, you know, either work or during the pandemic, you know, that's why I did did a lot of the final work on the documentary. And mm -hmm. I've been researching doc, the doc for years and shoot, working on the doc for years. But and and it wasn't until 2019 is when I really kind of took to my agent's office and said, "Hey, you know, I got this project." And they were like, "You've been sitting on this all these years." I said, "Yeah, I've been busy, been working on and off." And it took off from there. So during the pandemic, you know, everything was shut down. I wasn't on the road. It wasn't anywhere. So the only thing that was open was a cigar lounge that I belonged mm -hmm. to, and I would go and write, work, finish my research on the documentary in that cigar lounge. So it really gave me a lot of uh, focus. It gave me a lot of, uh, allowed me to do a lot of work, you know? So mm -hmm. yeah, I like, to, I like, to, I like to chill. I like to, you know, I like, I like, to, I like to smoke cigars and chill and, 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 you know, yeah. Yeah. Whatever works for your self-care, you know, it's a form of self-care. So whatever you have to do yeah, support to yourself. Yeah, definitely. Right. That's important. What's, right. uh, what's in your playlist? What are you listening to? Man, right now, you know what I'm stuck on <laughs> right now? Uh, uh, one is Aniko. I think I'm saying her name right. She's blew up on, um, um, on social media with Jericho. Her tone is just crazy. oh, Janae Aiko. But Janae Aiko is that what it is? Yeah, no, 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 Nico, Aniko. You know what I'm talking Aniko? about? It's called Jericho. Aniko. She has like Jericho, a soft, yes. soothing voice. It's more than soothing. It's on some frequencies that God only gave angels. She yeah, that's that's not face. like Janae Aiko. Okay, yeah, I, I, I probably said I'm probably saying her name wrong. I'm, I'm so <laughs> okay. right, but yeah, uh, and uh, but Snoop Dogg, <laughs> Snoop Dogg put out this album in 2019, I want to say, and it was for Def Jam West, and it's called uh, um, Algorithms, mm -hmm. and it's a compilation album of some of the greatest songs and artists on that. I'm talking from Red Man to Method Man to Mary J to this new up-and-coming artist named Jane Hancock. I mean, he has Usher on there, Eric Bellinger. He has uh, Too Short, uh, Ice Cube, um, uh, E-40, 
Um, I think I want to say Chris Brown is on there, but some other artists that's on there that's just crazy. It's got algorithms. And mm -hmm. um, I guess Def Jam didn't know how to market it. But if you get that album, you will put it on and let it play from start to finish. It's some amazing artists on that album. And uh, it's dope. David East is on there. Yeah, Dave East is on there. Um, Osiris. Why is it? Why I think it's why 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 YK Osiris. Um, I don't know about that one. What? That one. YK. I don't know Artists? about that one. <laughs> I think you know, I saw you know, the, name you know the artist though. Yeah, I think I know. Yeah, who but about. I just yeah. the the music though. But the music. Listen to listen okay. to the music. I, I know he's been in a little trouble lately. Um, but I'm telling you. <laughs> The, I, I'm, I'm look. I'm, I'm I'm trying to pull that right now. Here it is. So the artists that are on this album: Red Man, Method Man, Eric Bellinger, Snoop Dogg, Fabulous is on there. Dave East, Malaya is on there. Jane Hancock, Y.K. Osiris. Um, I'm telling you, uh, October London's on there. Uh, mm, August okay. 08 is on there. Mount Rushmore, which is you know E40, Ice Cube, Too mm -hmm. Short, and Snoop. Uh, hey, Dion's on there. Um, I'm telling you, oh, DJ Cassidy has a combination. Nefertiti is on there. Hmm, uh, okay. Uh, I'm telling you, it's 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 a dope, dope, super dope album that I think people slept on. Okay, I'm gonna check it out. That's, I'm gonna check it out. Yeah, but that Jane Hancock is you know, be on be on the lookout for her. She's dope. Okay. Okay. So what advice would you give to someone who is wanting to pursue a career in comedy? Well, first of all, my advice is universal. If you want to pursue a, a career in anything, first of all, would you do it for free? And if you do it for free, then that may be uh, uh, the, the, the gift that you have, whatever it is. But research it. Research it. You know, this is 2023. Okay? Mm-hmm. We got the internet. There's no reason why you should know everything about your field, period. Talk to people who are in your field. And uh, and just sacrifice. When you're young, whatever, sacrifice. You got to have incredible focus. You got to have a incredible discipline. You got to have incredible um, obedience to be the best at the gift that God gave you, period. I know it mm -hmm. sounds corny, but it's real. Commit to it. I always say this. You got to have Mamba mentality with your gift. Mamba mentality. Kobe Bryant, he had Mamba mentality with his gift of basketball. That's why he's considered one of the greatest to play the game. Michael Jordan, Mamba mentality. Um, you know, LeBron James, Mamba mentality. They Yes, they were naturally gifted, but they went above and beyond mm -hmm. to even enhance their gift even more. They didn't have to, but they did. And um, so whatever it is, whatever field you're in, read, study, um, and just and just and just shut shut the world out. Sorry, yeah. gotta shut the world out. That's why you know if you're young and you're single and you don't have kids, that's even better. Yeah, that's even better. That's, I'm gonna be honest with you right there. That's even better because you you you're not gonna be great at everything. You're not gonna be the, a great comedian and a great father and a great husband at the same time, or a great wife if you're a female comedian, or a great mother. Something's going to suffer. Mm -hmm. And you can't, you're not that great to be great at all three. 
So pick one and be great at one. Because if you're going to be a great mom or a great dad, then you're going to be a mediocre whatever your gift is. And, and if you're going to be a great wife or a great husband, you're going to be mediocre at, you know, what your gift is. So you, it's, that's where the sacrifice comes in. You can be good at the other two, but to be great, and this is in my humble opinion, I know some people out there don't say, I can do both, I'm good at both. I guarantee you're not great at both. You may be good at both. You may be good, but don't you want to be great at something? Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. Don't you mm-hmm. want to be great at something? Don't you want to have a purpose? Person without a purpose is you're not living. But anyway, yeah. So my advice is 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 for for people who are young, that for people who already have the family and the kids, you know you you're gonna you're gonna have to balance it really really well because it's never too late to start your gift. Mm-hmm. You may have been if you had a job right now you hate going into, that's not your gift. That's not what you really should be doing. God didn't give you that. Uh, as your gift. You're there, but if you ain't happy, that's not your gift. Find out what your gift is. Because when you work, when you when you have a career in your gift, it beats working. Mm-hmm. I agree. And we all have one. Okay. I just saw a post the other day that said if you Some have multiple. If, you know, it says um, you know, if you if it's your calling, it's gonna keep calling. So you know, you gotta pick it up and yeah. answer. So it's gonna yeah. keep calling. That's how it's it is. Calling. It's gonna keep members in it in front of you. You can't so, ignore yeah, it. Absolutely. Right. Yes. Don't, and, and you can't run from. It. You can't. You can't. You can, I, but then you 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 you're running from your gift. You're giving from what you you're running from what you're good at and what you've been called to do. Yeah, I agree. Well, you pimps out there. I'm <laughs> Some pimps out there. Yeah, I haven't. Mean, I mean, you know, I was. I was. You know, I was born to pimp these hoes and slap these hoes. You know. Oh my, my god. These bitches kept no. calling me. That's mama. I'm a pimp. That, yeah, that gift was from Satan. Yeah, no. Yeah, we don't don't pick up the phone to answer that call. Don't do it. So <laughs> yeah. It ain't so, easy though. It ain't easy. <laughs> oh my goodness. Listen, it's been so much fun talking to you. I learned so much more about you. Thank you so much. Oh no, thanks for having me. Uh everyone who listens to this podcast, you know, the day and age has changed. And it's not really about talent that much anymore. It's about followers. So if you can follow me on social media, I would appreciate it. At Guy Tory, G-U-Y-T-O-R-R-Y. Um, on my on my Facebook, uh, I think it's the Guy Tory Show, I believe. And then on Twitter, at Guy Tory too, I can use the followers so I can show my gift. Because right now, these days, um, it's not really about talent, unfortunately. It's I will about- agree with that. How many people, how popular you are. Yes. So I want to be popular, right? <laughs> so only so I can keep sharing my gift to those out there, the masses. It's not for self-gain. It's just really, that's the way to, that's the way it is now. So yeah. follow me. Guys, make sure you connect and follow so you can keep up with guys projects and all the great and amazing things that he has going on and i agree guess what it's you know we i was just having a conversation with a friend about how you know numbers and especially in what i do if i'm reaching out to it depends on who i'm reaching out to you know the level of uh, popularity and celebrity they want to know numbers and stuff like that but i I really i I disagree with that because i feel like you you are passing over people that are amazing that are beyond yeah i'm not yeah i mean i i yeah i get it but i don't get it i i get it but i don't get it. it depends on who you are like yeah on, on one end on one end you want to protect 
your intellectual property. You for don't sure. want to keep giving it, giving it away for free, right? True. On the other end, on the other end, it's like, you know, someone that's up and coming that's hustling, you know, such as yourself, and even when I've done podcasts, and 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 then you 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 want to give back, you want to reach back, and 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 help them. So, the and the other thing is too, um, you know, when I reach out to some of my friends or colleagues who are you know a little bit more established in the in the mm-hmm. business than I am, and they reach back and they say, I'll do it for you. Then I I take that mindset. Well, you know, Cedric did my, you know, documentary. He was cool. Yeah. You know, Steve Harvey did my documentary. Those guys who are my OGs, you know, said yes to me. So I feel like as an OG who's ever coming under me, I I I need to I need to pay it for it like those guys did it for me so I need to do it for them for the ones who who I'm an OG too so it's just yeah. each one teach one and uh, um you know I get the whole you know how many numbers you got but that's how you help someone build their numbers why yeah, not but, be that person yeah but know? then also too it's like everyone has you know has to start you have to start everyone starts exactly you know that's what I'm saying you yeah have to start. yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, you know, they'll, they'll, I mean, Lunell is another one who always come through for me when I need her. Uh, Tony Rock to come to me. Dave Chappelle. Yeah. Chappelle, I mean, come that's on. Dope. I did my doc, man. And and that's who's in the doc, for, for those who I didn't I didn't say. Uh, Kelsey Grammer co-producer with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, the great Reggie Hudlin directed it, who was a phenomenal director on all levels, all platforms, TV, film, documentary, animation, comic books. Uh, live uh, Emmys, Oscars, he's done it all. He directed my documentary. Mm-hmm. Snoop Dogg was in my doc. Another guy who reached out, who reached back and said yes. Tiffany Haddis, another one. My brother Joe Torre, Cedric the Entertainer, Lunell, Tony Rock, Mark Curry. Um, uh, who else? Uh, Donna Rollins, like I said, Chappelle. Mm-hmm. Uh, Regina King, Anthony Anderson, Tashina Love Arnold, it. Don Sally, uh, Chris Tucker. Afion Crockett, Russell Peters, Tommy Davidson, uh, Kim Whitley, uh, you name it, they came out and and did me a solid man, and 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 did this documentary. That's amazing. During the pan during the pandemic, mm-hmm. during the pandemic, so that was love right there. That was yes. love. So so it, it, I'll be wrong not to, you know, help somebody else out. Yeah, and be a part of their journey. And and the gift that they they're presenting to the world. Yeah, I feel you. I'm the same way. Like I'm whatever I learn, I pass that on. You know, if someone comes to me, I help them because that's what we do. That is what we do. So we uplift that's, each that's other over we're here. Put, we put here to serve. And that's, that's how you serve. That's right. Well, thank you so much, y'all. Make sure y'all connect. We out, y'all. Thank you so much, guy. All good. Got Tori out. Wait. Before you leave, keep up with your girl on Instagram at unpacking underscore the underscore box underscore podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Be well.